Hi, and welcome to episode 227 of No Crying in Baseball, the I Want Candy episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Do you have candy to share? I have a, I have a candy bar of a boyfriend to tell you about. Excellent. Excellent. Um, what's your What's your favorite candy? Like, what would be your go to candy? If you uh, dark chocolate, and if there are cherries involved, it's best. Oh, but yeah, I am all about the dark chocolate. If it's not chocolate based, it's not in the candy category for me. It's just the other sugary things. <laughs> I'm a so, caramel person myself. Are you? Yeah, caramel. Yep. See, for me, that that just glues my teeth together. Yeah, but I like the taste of it, but it glues my teeth together. Oh well, I'm I'm willing to suffer. I guess that's it. Uh, you know, Take that's it for fair. The team. Yeah, that is totally fair. Hey, what do you got going on? Uh, not not a lot, but I am a little bit uh, comforted, I guess, by the by the sight of baseball. You know, it's been a couple of weeks since the Caribbean series, so I've been feeling a little sad. But luckily, our friend Brian tagged us on a post. Uh, it was actually a, a retweet from Kevin Gossman. Did I say that right? That that Orioles pitcher dude whose shirt I have <laughs> uh -huh. and yeah, he was at an LSU game. So since I have zero dogs in this race, as far as college baseball, I've just never followed it all that much except for, you know, looking into our baseball boyfriend's pass. So I'm going to say go LSU. I love the purple and gold and we have a, the swag. Thanks to, thanks to our friend, Brian. Had I known we were going there, I could have worn my LSU baseball cap mm -hmm. right now. As it is, I'm wearing my Pulaski Yankees t-shirt for a team that doesn't exist, but it was the only Yankees team I've ever rooted for in my life, and I feel like that's thematic <laughs> today. I'm also drinking a delicious, delicious beer out of my um, Pulaski Yankees uh, uh, mason jar-ish sort of promotion giveaway, which we got when we went down to visit the Pulaski Yankees a couple years ago. You know That's what? I gave I gave mine away to my Yankees fan friend when he was here visiting because yeah. I figured we had bought those because they were refillable. Like that was the deal. We were going to go back there and get cheap beer in those, you know, mason jars. And since the Pulaski Yankees don't exist anymore, I figured there was no cheap beer re refill. And I gave it to somebody who I thought would appreciate the Yankees on the side of the jar. That is very kind. That's very kind. So, hey, I'm drinking a red currant spiced sour from Peabody Heights Brewery, which is on the location mm. of the initial, the original Orioles Park, and it's called Smoking Bishop, and it just makes me really happy. And it tastes like winter, even though it's sunny out. What are you What are you drinking? I am on the theme of winter. I'm drinking a Cosmic Winter by um, so our friends at Silver Branch Brewery, and it's yummy and it's a heavy hitter. So I figured it was a Good thing for a baseball podcast. For sure. For sure. Say, um, I actually pre-gamed a little bit. So I've had um, two small beers already. Um, I was I was actually, I was pre-gaming with Mr. Potty Mouth because he was teaching me about electric vehicles. And so, you know, we have this great thing in our friend group that we work for beer. Mm. It's like, tell me everything you know about this. The beer's on me. And that's how we work. And so that worked out very well, although I'm already one and a half sheets to the wind. So there it's we go. It's a good system. Yeah. But but do you have car ideas? That's the important part. I do have car ideas. I have to like do a little bit of my own research, but um, I was pointed in some good directions because he's smart. Excellent. Yeah, he is a smart guy. So well done. Well done. Hey, on today's show, we've got updates on CBA negotiations. We've got some news about uh, Soto and Zim. We've got our boyfriends on the Yankees and the Cardinals. We've got a little bit of minor league fashion to talk about, and we've got a juicy police blotter for you. Oh, boy. So first, CBA negotiations. Hey, have you heard we're in lockout right now? It's so frustrating. Do you remember this was going to be the week that pitchers and catchers reported? Mm -hmm. And they didn't. Um, but don't worry. The league, after, two days after uh, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report, the, uh, um, the league announced that the, the spring training was going to be delayed. So, well, thank you. It's already delayed because it didn't start this week and the games that we're going to start at the end of February are going to be delayed at least a week to March 5th. I, you know, don't hold your breath. That's right. what I'm saying. Don't hold your breath. There was a 15 minute meeting on Thursday between the two sides, the league and the union at which the union said, here's our next version of the proposal. And they said, okay, thanks. And they left. So, um, you know, it was like, okay, we met in person to hand you this and go away and read it. Um, the union actually reduced their, their initial request, they wanted to reduce the amount of time before young players get to arbitration. And initially they had asked that everybody that has two years of service time be arbitration eligible. Mm -hmm. They reduced that to say, how about 80% of those people with two to three years of service time? 
So they, you know, they gave a little like, okay, it's not as many people, but they had also initially talked about this bonus pool to if, if these young guys in their first couple of years are award winning or lead um, in statistics in various categories, they should be awarded bonuses to help bring their pay up. And so they said, okay, if we're going to reduce the number of people who are um, arbitration eligible, we have to increase this pool. So they had initially said, a hundred million dollars. Now they're saying $115 million because it affects more players. Now that would be distributed up to about 150 top performers instead of 30. So it's like, okay, if you want fewer people to go to arbitration, more of them need to be eligible to get bonus money. So, you know, to talk, and this is, yeah. this is that same pool where like the league was at like $15 million. So there's a hundred million dollars of difference there, but that was the newest <laughs> proposal. Um, the league said, hey, we are willing to meet every day this week, this coming week. Um, and they said, um, you know, they, they said spring training games have to be postponed. And spring training has to be postponed. And that an agreement needs to be reached by um, February 28th to save opening day because we need four weeks of spring training. There was less spring training in 2020 in the weird season, but there were also a lot of injuries. So they're not wrong that more spring training is better for injury prevention. But but the only reason these games have to be delayed and training has to be delayed is because of the freaking lockout. Right. If the players weren't locked out by the league, there's nothing that says they can't just move on as if they're still covered by the old CBA. They could be at spring training right now. They could start playing spring training games on time. They could have opening day on time. The players have been really good about making that clear. They are their official statement. And a lot of players themselves have been saying, just so you know, we could be playing if there wasn't a lockout. We don't need to have an agreement in order to play games. Um, yep. Wacky fact that I don't know that I was clear on before. Prospects, guys who are probably going to still be in the minors this year, but if they were put on the 40-man roster, they can't work out with the minor league teams, even if they're going to be playing with the minor league teams, because oh, wow. they are on the 40-man roster for the major league team. So even if they haven't debuted yet, but they were like maybe put on the 40-man to protect them from the Rule 5 or for whatever reason they're there, they can't be working out. Minor league games are, uh, you know, their spring training is starting on time. Their season's going to start on time. They're not affected by the CBA, except for this handful of prospects who were that good, they got put on the 40 man. So they don't get to work out. They don't get to play. Wow. So they don't get to play at all. Like they, until, until this is settled. That is correct. So even if it was almost a hundred percent, they were going to spend the whole season in AAA. Yeah. They still can't because they're on the 40 man roster. A lot of these guys are the same ones that were affected by the, um, the fact there was no minor league season at all in 2020. So they are getting jerked around. That's around. crazy. So I'm guessing they're not getting paid either. Right. I don't believe they're getting paid either. God, that's crazy. And I, you know, I wish I'd remembered who posted it, but somebody, one of our our favorite players about the uh, meeting on Thursday said that they had had at bats longer than the meeting. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. All right. To be continued. Shit. That sucks. So as, as nothing is going on, you know, during, during this time of no contract, and so there's no deals happening or not happening, uh, Juan Soto was in an interview and he kind of spilled just late news, really, because this happened before the lockout, that he declined a 13-year, $350 million contract extension with the Nationals. Then one of the notable things about this offer from the Nats, one thing they like to do is defer the money, kick it down the line. There was no deferred money. He was going to be making like $27 million a year. He is represented by Scott Boris, to nobody's surprise. And he basically said that, you know, Boris thinks that he would be better off going year to year um, and that he has control of the situation. He did add, and probably to not piss off the D.C. fans who I think are going to be pissed off anyway, that he still thinks of D.C. as a place where he could spend the rest of his career, which does not jive with not taking this because People have taken deals like this, and Tatis Jr., I think, is the prime example because they're the same age. And Tatis Jr. took a $340 million, so less money for 13-year contract, and it is the longest contract at 13 years. Most of these big deal extensions are 12, so it's still in the same ballpark. But Tatis Jr. also would have been a free agent in 24, also, you know, raking it, but 
decided that he was going to be a, a team player. So I feel super mixed about this because, of course, I adore Juan Soto, but I also kind of feel like this is this seems to be saying that you don't want to be with the Nationals because how much? I mean, I guess there's there's stuff batting around that he could end up making like five hundred million dollars total if he plays his cards right and if he stays really hot right with every year and and smaller deals. But how much money do you need? <laughs> Yes. Like, like why, you know, 500 million instead of 350 million? I I don't know. Or 300. It's all funny money to me at that point. But right. you're right. It does feel like I, I've seen various sports writers say that he is looking for, you know, a team that really wants to win. And, you know, the Nats had yeah. their fire sale and, and they're not. I mean, nothing has happened because of the lockout. So there's not really an indication unless he has heard, you know, indications through other channels mm -hmm. that the Nats are going to be competitive in the next couple of years because they had their fire sale. So he may be saying, you know, I like it here, but if, that, if that's what it's going to be, I don't want to tie myself to this place. And I hate that because I love him and I want it to, but I, I also want the Nats to be competitive. Yeah. So I don't know what to do with all of my feelings, but I have many of them. I, I don't either because he, he did this before the lockout. So this seems to be like a pretty early turndown. I'm of course, I'm happy to like throw all the asshole blame at Scott Boris for just pushing him in this direction and wanting to get the best contract of all time. So I think this is part of it, right? That he wants to be the greatest or Scott Boris wants him to be known as the greatest and outdo the greatest contract that there is, which is Mike Trout, which is the number one $426 million for 12 years, which was done in 2019. And Mike Trout is with the team that's not ever been competitive right. the whole time he's been there. And do you want to, I mean, yeah, I want to be Mike Trout, but do you want to be Mike Trout? I mean, right. <laughs> that, that's kind of where we are with this right now. Um, yeah. And I do, I mean, I do think that Scott Boris does have his players' best interest at heart. I mean, we can say all we want about him, but he wants every penny coming to his players. And Grant, that's going to help him, all right? I yeah. mean, that's going to line his coffers too. But and he's he's pretty smart. He's a damn smart guy. Well, so. you know, I have I have a track record with my forever boyfriends, right? My first are baseball boyfriends that we can't keep from year to year, except for one. I kept Mookie Betts until he signed his big contract with the Dodgers. And then I was like, I'm not good with my baseball boy following them to a new team. I think that was part of it, especially because the old one was the Red Sox. So I don't know. I mean, this is, I don't have to worry about it for a while because he's not a free agent until 24. But, but still, like, do I keep Juan Soto? Is this a strike against him? Or is this just like part of who he is as my forever baseball boyfriend we yep. shall find out we shall find out meanwhile also in nats land uh ryan zimmerman retired announced his, he announced his retirement this past year he Aww. was 37 he played for the nats for 16 season he was the very first draft pick of the nationals in the 2005 draft he debuted three months later he was the face of the franchise. They call him Mr. National. I like the Mr. Walkoff nickname. He was a clutch guy. He was so many injuries and all that, but he was such a stand-up guy and a good role model for the young guys coming in. You could always count on him. He's a two-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, won a gold glove, World Series champion. Um, he and his family live in Northern Virginia. They live in the area. And a lot of players don't necessarily live where they play. You know, they live there during the season, but their real home is somewhere else. They, He and his family made a home there. He and his wife, Heather, just had their fourth child. And he says, we're staying. This is our home. Aww. And he said, you know, we're, we want to continue to give back to the community. He's got... Um, you know, the, the, the Zims Foundation, he does a lot, a lot of work in the community, and that's not going to ever stop, which is really great. Um, I had a lot of fun reading tributes to him from players that, you know, have been with him over the years. And my favorite was um, Sean Doolittle, who is the patron saint of No Crying in Baseball. Um, he and uh, and Zim played at UVA together. Um, Zimmerman was, a, uh, was two years ahead of Sean Doolittle. And he said in his tribute to him that... Um, when he got drafted, when Zim got drafted, then made it to the bigs really fast. So like he got called up in like September, whatever. He Sean Doolittle said, we used to drive up there when they were playing at RFK Stadium before Nats Park was built to go see Zim play. We get the cheapest seats we could. We'd sit up in the nosebleeds at RFK wow. to, to to watch to watch our you know our old teammate play and just just to support him and how cool that was. 
And that just really made me happy because I love Ryan Zimmerman, except for the one blot on him is the whole um, going to the White House after the um, the World Series. And I'm trying to like not think about that one too right. much because everything else is so much in his favor. So, you know, on the balance sheet, all right, but ick. But I, I'm the, the hype video they made, the tribute video made me flat out tear up. So I still have to watch that. And, you know, I think that's what, you know, Nats fans, now we have this like gaping hole in our hearts, you know, like it's, it's bittersweet to see Zimmerman retire, but to be this lifelong Nat. And I think for a while, for a heartbeat, there was energy behind Bryce Harper. You know, he was, he came in as a young kid and maybe he's going to be, and then he was gone with like very bitter taste. And now this stuff with Juan Soto, I mean, I think we want, who's going to replace that, that Zim forever national mr national energy yep for sure for sure so um so we, we wish you the best ryan Zimmerman. thanks for all the memories i'm gonna cry yeah. all right and we're gonna go to happier stuff which is our baseball boyfriends these guys that we pick in the off season one guy per team we do two a week one al and one nl and patty and i will explain to you why we pick these guys they can't be assholes they've got to be cool for some reason we've got to have some sort of personal connection and this is like my least favorite week of the off season shall we say as a lifelong red sox fan where i am forced to find the good in the Yankees. And let me tell you, it was hard. And there were there's several Yankees on the roster that I just have inexplicable grudges toward. Like really there's <laughs> there's sports. no good reason. There's no good reason. Luke Voigt, there was no way in fuck I was going to pick Luke Voigt. I I don't know why. He might be a perfectly lovely guy, but there's there's sportsing and there's guys who are just too Yankee for my taste. But I did not expect to be swept off my feet to the extent that I was by Esteban Floreal. And he's an outfielder. I'm hoping he gets some outfield time. I mean, the the Joey Gallo thing, which is a, a past boyfriend I had with the Rangers, when he went to the Yankees last year, he was supposed to be, you know, this this big gain in the outfield, and he was not. So I'm wondering what happens this year and if Florial actually gets a chance. The sign that I had to look into him further was that he played on my Dominican team, the Leones del Escogido, both this past year and in 2020. And the interesting thing is that he played in Leadom after his Major League Baseball debut. debut. Um, the, the key Instagram post that sort of drew me to him was one of his equipment with his water bottle. And it said, this is my bottle that I take everywhere to avoid single-use plastic bottles. And I thought, that's a good sign. And then he had a picture of himself weeks ago on a trip with a mask. And he said that in his you know little quote there that he always wears a mask. So I thought, all right, this is a good guy. I've got to look into him. He signed as an international free agent for $200,000 in March, 2015. And here's where stuff gets super interesting and also sort of jives with my interest in Latin American history. He was listed as being born in Haiti, but he was not. He would have been the first Haitian born MLB player. And there was a lot of buzz at the time that he was but he was born in the Dominican Republic. So why this stuff about Haiti? And actually, when he signed as an international free agent, his uh, only citizenship papers were from Haiti. Now, the deal here is that he was raised by a single mom. I think she remarried, so he did have a stepfather in the picture. But his father was not in the picture from the get-go. His father was Dominican. His mom is Haitian. She came undocumented from Haiti to the Dominican Republic. Now, the Haitian-Dominican political situation is a fucking mess. And I think we all know that Haiti has been just devastated by so many different things, from politics to national disasters. There's a lot of Haitian immigration into the Dominican Republic. There's also a huge amount of um, corruption in Dominican governments. And so in the, in the 90s and 2000s, the Dominican, gov- the Dominican government passed... I don't don't think it was actually a law, but it was just it was the way the courts were deciding it, that Haitians could not only could they not get Dominican citizenship, but that their kids couldn't, even if they were born in the Dominican Republic. And they interpreted a law by saying that they were always that they were in transit. 
because they're so close to Haiti that they weren't really immigrated, that they were just coming over for work. And, you know, a lot of that, they're true that they were coming over from work, but they were fleeing and resettling. So when he was born, he could not have Dominican residency. And so this got very complicated when he went to get drafted for by MLB because he needed citizenship papers from somewhere and he had none. And there's actually a fantastic um, documentary that we, I saw a couple of years ago called Stateless about the situation of the Haitians in the Dominican Republic because they are literally stateless. They don't have residency papers from anywhere. He had to go to Haiti for the first time in his life to get his citizenship papers just so he could get drafted. So when he was drafted, he, although he had only been to Haiti as a visit, he was had Haitian citizenship. So this is just a bizarre situation. And it's sort of like magnified in the futures game in 2017. That was when there was like the world team and each player had a flag. And I think the flag was on their hat or on their shirt. And he, even though he was Dominican, couldn't have a Dominican flag. He had a Haitian flag. And so he said that it wasn't his choice. Those were his papers. He would have chosen the Dominican Republic, although he very much, you know, is tied and understands his, his Haitian background. But just that he was in this really intense situation, he still doesn't have Dominican residency to this day. Damn. And I saw this fabulous hour-long interview with him with a, from a Dominican newspaper and they asked him, you, you think the Yankees are going to help you out with this situation at this point? And he was sort of like, you know, it's in process. Wow. And so that also affected him. Freaking Yankees to... can't fix it. I know. <laughs> right. And then the irony of a team called the Yankees trying to come in and, and muscle in the Dominican <laughs> Republic, you know, oh, so wrong. imperialism in there. But uh, I don't know. I, I hope it works out. But this is the reason why he couldn't play in the Dominican League, because in Leadom, they only have a very small amount of international players that are allowed in. And so those are usually flagged for U.S. players. So he could not count as a national player in Leadom. And so it wasn't after till he was, you know, obviously being pretty successful that he got to play for the organization that he dreamed about playing on as a kid. He's an incredibly well-spoken dude. He speaks English very well, as well as French, Haitian Creole and Spanish. And actually, there's a cute story about his first spring training where he was like alone in, his, in the locker room and they were looking around for a translator and finally found the translator because somebody, some press wanted to talk to him. And the translator was like, no, you, nothing needed. He's fine. Even Aaron Boone <laughs> was impressed at how well he spoke, speaks English. The first thing he did with that bonus, and that $200,000 bonus, by the way, probably would have been more had there not been this paper citizenship issue. But he bought a house for his mom because they had oh. moved a lot, around a lot. So I love you know any happy mom situation. And clearly, he's very close to his mother and said a lot of really sweet things about both his mother and his wife. He's very young, but he married young. And he talked about how his wife is so important to him. He calls her his off-field hitting coach because in those times <laughs> where your mind is just not clicking in and you need to you had a shitty outing, he's like, she's there to bring me back up. So that's like the most important thing. So his wife and his mom. And he said his uh, goal is always to be a better player than he was last year. He played one game, so a brief cup of coffee in 2020. That one game happened to be on Jackie Robinson Day, and it was a doubleheader against the Mets in Yankee Stadium. So a pretty sweet first game. And he went one for three. Um, and then he played a few more games in 21. I wrote 20 again. I'm pretty sure that's 21 that he played 11 games. So I'm hoping that he gets a lot more time this year. He seems like just a really chill guy. He said that in his free time, he likes to study, study the game, maybe play a little guitar. He has a glass of wine once in a while, but nothing else. So I can't have a beer with him, but I would be really happy to have a glass of wine with this guy and especially talk about his family situation and Dominican politics. And there's, a, there's just a lot to love about Esteban Florial. Wonderful. Wow. Uh, it's nice to see you glow about a Yankee. That's, um, you know, it's kind of hard I to feel do. I feel guilty. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. It's about the individual. It's about yeah. the individual, right? All right. Um, I have picked, and I can't believe we haven't gone there before, the impeccably groomed 
Giancarlo Cruz Michael Stanton, designated hitter for the Yankees, 32 <laughs> years old. So, um, so Giancarlo was Giancarlo until the sixth grade when he switched to Mike, um, you know, his middle name, Michael, because he was tired of getting made fun of for mm. his first name and also no one could pronounce it. He grew up in Los Angeles. You would think folks in Los Angeles could handle Giancarlo, but they could not. Um, he did go back to Giancarlo in 2012. Apparently he had spent some time um, visiting Europe where you know people had interesting names. Like, you know what? I'm claiming this back. I'm taking it back. So he's back to Giancarlo as of 2012. Um, instead of his scholarship to Tulane University, he went with the Florida Marlins um, in the second round of the 2007 draft. And he noted that we've both changed our names since because <laughs> he was Mike Stanton of the Florida Marlins. <laughs> his debut was in June of 2010. He went three for five and he scored twice. His first home run, however, was a grand slam versus Tampa Bay. He was the fourth player to hit his first grand slam at under 25 years old. So how wow. about that? Yes. So there's a lot of superlatives about John Carlos Stan because he's got a big bat. He swings hard. He hits the ball hard. And so he's at the top of a lot, a lot of lists. So some of the things I'm going to tell you are just like, oh, he's the best at this and he's the best at this. But there's also a lot of good he does out in the world. And one of them was because in 2014, he was hit in the face by a pitch by Mike Fires, the guy that came to you know notoriety because of the whole Astros uh, cheating scandal, right? So way before that in 2014, <laughs> hit Stanton in the face with the pitch and wow. caused multiple fractures and dental damage. So, you know, cut his season short while he had all of this repaired. And one of the outcomes of that was he started the All-Star Smiles Foundation to provide free dental care to underserved kids in South Florida. Oh, that's so, so it's like, cool. wow, this really scary, horrible thing happened to me. Here, let's fix this for other people. When when you said Mike Fires, otherwise known as, I was I thought you were going to talk about the mustache. Wasn't he the mustache guy? He was the crazy mustache so guy. There's as well. me with the important information in the background. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you know, it's it's all facial stuff. We're talking about facial stuff, but yeah. So he has this horrible, <laughs> scary thing happen to him, and he's like, okay, how can I help other people from this? So that's pretty cool. Um, also in 2014, he signed a contract. We were talking about these big giant contracts. His contract with the Marlins was $315 million for 13 years, which at that time was the largest dollar value contract ever given in team sports in 2014. In 2016, he won the home run derby. And that's the first time I really remember paying attention to him. And the I thing remember I re that. The thing I remember most about him in the home run derby were his freaking forearms. <laughs> I could not look away from his forearms because the man is just like gigantic. And I was like, wow, this is yep. how this is how you need to be built in order to like to, to do that to a to a ball and bat. Holy crap. So at that time, um, his 61 home runs was the record for the home run derby. And but the, the really notable thing about that is he had the 10 longest home runs hit in the home run derby that year and 18 of the 19 longest home runs hit in the home run derby that year. And you've watched home run derbies, you know, people are hitting it out of the park. They go crazy. You know, all the home, the home runs are up for 400 and some feet. His were the longest, his were the farthest. Um, he had his uh, MVP season in 2017. And so the Marlins said, hey, that's really cool. Go to the Yankees <laughs> right after the 2017. Right. And he started off really hot with the Yankees. As op the opening day in 2018, he hit two home runs opening day, including his first at bat. Um, as you know, he's had lots of injuries. Remember that, that, you know, so many of the Yankees, they lost for a while to injuries and illness and all of that stuff. And so he got booed a lot because he wasn't yep. hot for a while, but he still had these crazy things happen. Like opening day in 2020, he hit the first home run of the entire season, the whole league, right? Off of Max Scherzer. So at that time that was, Ouch. you know, against yeah. the, the Nats. So that wasn't so great for us. But so since StatCast started recording these things, there have only been 14 baseballs hit coming off the bat at 120 miles per hour or harder. Giancarlo Stanton has 12 of those 14. That's crazy. 12 of those 14 hardest hit balls since StatCast era started. He also has the record for the longest home run in multiple ballparks. He's hit the ball out completely out of Dodger Stadium. He had the record for City Field. There's a couple more. Tons of them. In, uh, in 2020, he was the first player to homer in each of his team's first five postseason games. 
Holy crap. He has led the National League in home runs twice, including 2017 when he was the MVP. He's a four-time All-Star, two-time Hank Aaron Award, two-time Silver Slugger, and for the more the boyfriend cred, he was the his team's nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award both in 2016 for the Marlins and 2020 for the Yankees. Um, more recently, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, he partnered with a manufacturing company in Brooklyn called Voodoo Manufacturing, which retooled everything to start producing face shields. Hmm. And so, the, so he worked with them. They donated 15,000 face shields to hospitals in both New York and Los Angeles, from he's from Los Angeles, primarily serving African-American and Latino communities. He also, like, he partnered with a, a company that makes protein shakes to provide 20,000 of them to fire departments in New York and in Miami. So he's like taking care of the place of his birth, the place where he started his baseball career, the place where his baseball career is happening right now, which is pretty cool. His um, He's really involved in the Players Alliance. Uh, he was part of that amazing video that a bunch of players did for um, the players supporting Black Lives Matter. Um, that's all on his Twitter feed is, is really good. It's, it's baseball and social justice. And tap dancing. Oh my God. There's this one <laughs> tiny little thing that just, it, it killed me from last year with a mom who was a tap dancer who taught her kid during the pandemic when I was stuck at home, how to tap dance. So we had a you know video of the two of them doing a, a dance together and he was wearing a John Carlos Stanton Yankees Jersey. And so got reposted by the guy whose Jersey that was, which I thought was pretty cool. So full of superlatives, impeccably groomed, really great forearms. And it seems like kind of a hell of a guy. So I'm going with Giancarlo Stanton for the Yankees. I find that he looks uncannily like Buzz Lightyear. I think if you put Buzz Lightyear and, and Giancarlo Stanton, you know, both in like body shape and also like face. Chiseled stuff. They, yeah. They look very, very similar. So, you know, I, I kind of enjoy Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. So sure. <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Although, um, yeah, their, their, their uniforms are a little different. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I kind of appreciate a little bit more of Stanton now that you've gone through that. Now I feel guilty once again of thinking bad things. You know, it's just him and Judge. They're huge. They're just huge, like towering players. So those 14 baseballs that were hit harder than 120 miles per hour, Aaron Judge has one of the other two that, you know, that that aren't that (laughs) are not. Giancarlo Stanton. Teamwork, teamwork. And, you know, the 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 funny thing also to look back of the Florida Marlins in those days, the outfield was Stanton, Yelich, and Marcelo Zuna. And I don't know. They've all gone gone on to uh, other things. I'm on yeah, two sides. You wanted to right go now. bigger and better, but you realized right. it was just different. <laughs> right, right, right. But, hey, we can, we can respect uh, Yelich and Stanton anyway. So – so that I will stop going on that tangent. I'm going to go over to our National League team, the Cardinals. And my choice is Edmundo Mundito, is his nickname, Sosa, 25-year-old shortstop. I'm doing this partially of um, penance. Is that the right word I'm for the Jewish girl? So you know what I re- remember? I say penance. Did you say penance? Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. repenting for something. Yeah, you're doing penance, okay? Yeah, to make up yeah. Something. Because sure. I forgot that at some point in the off season, I had promised that I was going to pick Jonathan Arauz as my Red Sox guy because there was so much that I loved about him, including his Panamanian roots. And I just spaced it last week. I picked Duran, and now I'm feeling a little guilty. The only thing I'm feeling okay about is maybe it would have been a premature pick anyway, and maybe I can pick Arauz next year. You could do that next year. Yeah. That's what I'm If hoping. I don't pick him first, ha. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I got to get I got to get busy on the notes. But Sosa <laughs> is actually the only player from Panama who was on the opening day roster this past year. Not the only Panamanian player who played last season, but the only one who is on opening day. He um is, you know, was behind Paul DeJong, who of course was the staple of the infield of the Cardinals until he got hurt which gave Sosa a little bit of playing time. And I find it interesting now with the DH coming to the National League for better or for worse. And I honestly, I'm not too happy about it, but Fangraphs is predicting Paul DeJong to go to DH. And so that would open things up for Edmundo Sosa, who actually did super well last year when he did sub in. He really made his mark. What, what drew him to me as a baseball boyfriend was, you know, checking his social media two really cool things. One was the giving back thing that there was the, the three, three Kings day is um, in some Latin American countries, 
more important and more present connected than Christmas. And so on Three Kings Day, he brought a van load of presents to his former hometown, Porvenir de Juan Diaz in, in Panama. The other cool thing that I love about my Biswell boyfriends is the dugout spirit, you know, that guy who's just like hyping people up. And I don't know if you've seen the um, the social media thing about the teacher who has a different handshake for every kid who comes yes. in the class. Yep. He does that in the dugout. He has a personal handshake, and I have the Twitter link in our notes for every person in the dugout, including coaches and other players. And it is the coolest thing to see. And so that kind of energy and fun is what I love about a baseball boyfriend. So like I said, he's from Panama. He started playing baseball when he was four years old. He signed in 2012 at age 16 for $425,000 and spent a good amount of time in the minors, you know, including his couple cups, cups of coffee years, three games in 2018 eight and 19. He actually missed 20, not just because of the fucked up 20 year, but he was injured. But last year, because of Paul DeJong's injury, he actually played 113 games in 21 and busted out with an average of 271. So he was really known as making his mark last year and sort of making Cardinals fans feel a little bit optimistic about the future. I also got to look into his winter ball stuff, and he has an Eagles theme. He played in the Dominican League for the Aguilas Ibaeñas, both in the 1920 year and in the championship year 2021 with his um, country, countryman. Yeah, they, they're both both from Panama. Johan Camargo, who's <laughs> a, another former boyfriend of mine, two Panamanians on the winning Dominican team. But he also played Panamanian baseball for the Aguilas Metropolitanas, so the, the Eagles team in Panama. And he played there this past offseason, which is interesting. I think it has to do with him now having a little bit more freedom to do what he wants and to play for his Panamanian pride. Interestingly, he had played there before. He played in Lidam as well in 17 and, and 18. And he was the captain of the Panamanian team for the 2017 World Baseball Classic, which is like my very favorite international competition. And he'd been playing on the Panamanian national team for many years as a kid. In 2012, he went to the Youth World Baseball Championships in South Korea when Panama placed seventh. They just made missed um, the, the making it into the finals round. So they were the highest non-making it team. But still, as a little kid, that's going to be an amazing experience going to South Korea from Panama. He doesn't become a free agent until 2027. So, of course, this means either he's another trade piece that I have to be worried about <laughs> or maybe he's going to just like lock it in there thanks to the DH come into the National League and stay as a Cardinal. Uh, last thing I want to say about him is uh, I did see a quick interview with him. And one of the things that he said about, you know, connecting himself to Panama is that he wants to talk to the young people of Panama and tell them that if you have a goal and a dream, don't let anybody tell you that you can't reach it. Keep studying and put your 100% effort in. Fantastic. You got some good boyfriends. Yeah. I'm impressed. Nicely done. I, I know. And I was so skeptical about this week last week, but you know. You're a little skeptical about every week. It doesn't include the Red Sox. Yeah, that's, there you go. And, <laughs> and then I fucked that one up. And then you all, fuck it up. Okay. All, but all good. No, no. I think you're hungry like the wolf guy is going to mm -hmm. be just fine. Mm. Yep. Okay. Hey, my Cardinals guy. Um, so <laughs> I'm going with Lars Newtbar, to which Potty Mouth said, I was hoping you would. <laughs> And I said, so I can say Newt Bar? And she said, of course, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> so Lars Newt Bar, right field, maybe DH, maybe DH, mm. um, 24 years old. I, I swear to you that one of the articles I read was called A Candy Bar Waiting to Happen. Yeah, I would like to take a Newt Bar, please. Multiple, multiple things that I read about Lars Newt Bar referenced his unusual name, but also how it does, in fact, sound like a candy bar and tried to come up with what that candy bar would be. Ooh. And they can't believe that the Cardinals haven't actually created one to sell at the concession stands because that it's would be coming. a big winner. So where did the name come from? He's got a Japanese mom uh, and his dad is of Dutch descent. Uh, they met when, at Cal Poly 
His dad was majoring in Japanese and his mom was there on kind of an exchange program. And then his dad went to Japan after Cal Poly to study some more and his host family fell through and he said, hey, there was that girl and ended up staying with her family and the rest is history. So he's, he's actually, he's got quite an interesting look because of his background as well. Um, and he's got the new bar name. Um, he went to El Segundo High School. So it's another, another Southern California guy. I got two this week. And at his El Segundo High School, he was the varsity quarterback and was the two-time league MVP. Not his team MVP, but the league MVP. And for high school baseball, he was a three-time league MVP. So the kid is an athlete for sure. He went to play at um, University of Southern California, as did his big brother, Nigel. And Nigel Newtbar actually was drafted by the <laughs> Orioles. So it was um, kind of in the Orioles system for a little while. Um, so following in Nigel's footsteps. He was drafted, uh, Lars was drafted in the eighth round of the 2018 draft by the Cardinals and immediately went to a Class A short season where he set the team record for a game in which he had seven runs batted in, in, in one game. Wow. That's so pretty awesome. good start. Yeah. Right? So look at the timing, though, right? Because he's yeah. going to be in the minors in 2020, the year of no minor league. And he was living with his parents, which is great because you can do that because you don't make any money. And his parents said, you know, you can't just hang out around the house. You have to get a job. <laughs> All right. Another parents to have a beer with. <laughs> right. So he got a job and, you know, there's, there's an aerospace company nearby. And he had a friend who was working there and they said they were hiring. So he got a job doing um, sort of maintenance and handyman stuff. He was starting, he got before I am six days a week to go to this aerospace company and lug equipment around for like for fighter jets, like maintenance on fighter jets. He said, I was, he said, six days a week, I was lifting stuff and drilling holes. And he said, it definitely humbled me and made me realize how much I love <laughs> baseball. So frankly, at the 20 bucks an hour he was making doing this, it might've been more than he would have made in the minor leagues. Oh I God. didn't want to do True. that math, but um, so he, you know, no season. So he was working. And then when, fall started, he actually went back to USC uh, for another semester. So he's only one semester short of the sociology degree because, you know, in, in, oh, as cool. you know, the draft is after junior year. So a lot of major league players don't finish college because they'd skip their senior year. So he actually went back and took advantage of that time. Um, but boy, he said, yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for people with real jobs, basically, because, <laughs> you know, it's super hard, right? Yep. Um, so fun fact, he got his call up to the majors when the cards optioned Lane Thomas, who's my Nats boyfriend this season, because Lane Thomas wasn't pulling his weight until the Nats picked him up and then he kept hitting it out of the park. And so this was good for everybody, right? So Lars came up, Lane went down and then eventually went over the Nats and make everybody happy over there. So he, his debut was June 21st of the 2021 season. His, um, his first hit was in his second game, and you would appreciate this. It was a triple. I know oh, you like yay. the guys who hit their triples, right? His first home run wasn't until a full month later. It was a pinch hit home run, but then he hit a second one the very next day. They were both pinch hit home runs. So as somebody, we're going we're gonna to name check um, Sean Doolittle again. As, as somebody who's been in the crowd when Sean Doolittle comes up and everybody calls do, and yeah. it sounds like booing unless you know better, apparently the Cardinals fans started – Newts. <laughs> and so it's Newts, not booze, but he's got people calling his name. This kid who just came up to the majors has entire ballparks of people basically chanting his name when he goes up to bat. How cool is that? Yeah. I'm thinking there's merch with a newt on it in the picture. Like, yeah. Newt. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking a, a little bit of, of Monty Python stuff. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, so his brother got the nickname Nige for Nigel and his sister got Nudie, which is pretty fun. And he got Newts. He said, oh, I'm third. So the good ones were gone. But yeah, Newts. No, no, <laughs> when an entire ballpark of people calls your name, it's got to be pretty good. So his first, that first home run ball, he said, he was asked later, what are you going to do with it? He said, well, my biggest goal is to keep it away from my two yellow labs. Oh, so, yellow labs. That's a super Yes. Plus. Yeah. So he spent a lot of time on the bench and kind of as the fourth outfielder on the team, but he complimented the veterans on the team over and over again about how they've helped him and how much he's learning by just being there. And, you know, with, with these guys who have been there forever. And he said that um, Nolan Arenado is actually one of the guys that's been a big help because 
said, well, you know, a fellow Southern California guy, um, it's kind of been a mentor to them and they've been in touch in the off season. He said Harrison Bader, who we actually played for a couple times when Bader was out on, on the IL, Harrison Bader and he go out to dinner after away games. Every time they're on the road, he said, whether we have a good game to talk about or a bad game to talk about, we always go out and kind of, you know, do, do a little postmortem and talk about the game every time. So he's got these guys really taking care of him, which I think is very cool. Because he was on the bench so much after his call-up, he got sent to the Arizona Fall League to get more at-bats, which seemed to work out pretty well because he hit first cycle on October oh, I 29th. Love I love That's a cycle. So cool. And if none of this was enough, Katie, Wu, who <laughs> writes for The Athletic, refers to him as someone with an eccentric personality, charismatic play, and all-around charm. So if he's good enough for Katie Wu, he's good enough for me. So so Lars Newtbar, I want candy. He's my boyfriend for the cards. And, and that quote like works for baseball boy. I love it. Eccentric personality, charismatic play, and all around charm. That's like that's a perfect baseball boyfriend. What we want in a guy, kind of thing. I know. And like like last week's recommendation was about you know good manners and whatnot. Like this is more fun. <laughs> this is way better. <laughs> so let's see how we do next week. Next week we've got the White Sox and we've got the Brewers. The Brewers are going to be interesting for me because I've hung on to Christian Yelich for a couple of years and I just booted him as my mm. uh, my forever boyfriend. Um, for you know, I booted him for Jake Cronenworth, and so I got to find a new guy on the Brewers. So stay tuned, my friends. It's gonna be fun. I'm excited it about is. those teams. I'm, I'm much more optimistic, so maybe I won't do as well as I did this week. So <laughs> yeah, you're great this week, even going in it with like not the great attitude. Not yeah. the, oh my god. I it just goes to show you, you never know, and there's always something to appreciate when you're watching baseball. And and can I just say that I think the since we started this baseball boyfriend thing, I can watch any team right. play because there's always somebody to watch for on that team that I know something about that I want to root for. And, you know, I'm always going to have the teams that I want overall, but I can always find somebody that's like, Hey, I know something cool about that guy. I want him to do well. This is fun to watch. Yeah. And so we hope we're bringing that to you, dear listeners. Like, isn't that cool? That's a good reason to recommend listening to no crying in baseball to all your friends. So I, I just wanted to say if, if you're lamenting the lack of Major League Baseball, don't forget that Minor League Baseball is going to happen, although, albeit without the guys from the 40-man roster that I had no clue either. And there were a couple of um, Minor League uh, posts that I noticed this past week that I just thought would be interesting that have to do with a little bit of fashion because, you know, you always want to get that swag, those hats, those t-shirts. There is a new Atlantic league team. And I think you're going to like this one, Patty called the wild health genomes. <laughs> so yes, because I like the science exactly. because deep down I'm Iron Man. Is that you what? Like yeah, okay. the science. Yeah. And you'll, so their, their tagline of course is baseball is in our DNA and I'm the best thing is that their merch has a baseball where the stitches are a double helix. Oh, that's fantastic. Where do they play? So they play in Lexington, Kentucky. They're actually sharing a stadium with the Lexington Legends, who are already in the, the Atlantic League team. And there's been some funny back and forth between the two teams on uh, on Twitter. They're sponsored by Wild Health Medical Clinic, which is where this comes from, who apparently is going to be underwriting the stadium as well. But the good news for us is the Blue Crabs, who have been dying to see forever, they're in that league. So we might be able to go see like a blue crab crabs genomes game. Excellent. That that reduces the the road trip down to something we could do it in an afternoon. Excellent. Yeah. So I think we'll get it. And and their nickname is the Nomies, which is a G N O M E S. So cute. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, we're in. I'm in. The other piece of minor league fashion that I'm going to recommend you getting for a totally different reason is that the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs recently posted one of their alt caps and they called it Pigs Bacon Cotton Candy is the name of it, but I'm it's in. baby blue with a pink and baby blue wavy piece of bacon on it. Hey, that sounds familiar. It, totally. It's a trans flag. And I don't understand why nobody else was picking up, up on this because it totally looks like a trans flag. So I'm just going to give that as credit to the Phillies AAA Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs and just say that they're being, you know, supportive of trans pride and we can get behind that. So I would get, even though it's bacon, I don't know if I can go that far. I tell you what, but, you can get it for me. There that way go. you'll feel good about buying it and then you can just gift it to me because I'm all, I'm all for the bacon. So I'm... A, I'm <laughs> I'm pro this for all the reasons. That works. <laughs> totally works. 
And that's oh your God. fashion corner for this week. <laughs> love it. I love it. Okay, we're going to go from there to the police blotter because woo, we talked woo, last woo. week about what was happening in the Eric K trial. This is um, the former Angels communications director who was on trial for contributing to the death of Angels pitcher Tyler Skaggs in 2019. On Thursday, he was found guilty of two felony counts in the death that's of huge. Tyler Skaggs. Um, the counts were distributing counterfeit pills laced with fentanyl and conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute. Basically, he gave Tyler Skaggs the pills from which he died is the, the outcome of that. The sentencing is not until June, but he's looking at a minimum sentence of 20 years. Oh, my God. The wow. kind of earth shattery stuff that happened during this trial was that five Angels players testified to knowing that a Skaggs took Oxy. They wow. testified to buying Oxy from Eric K after Skaggs introduced them. So we've got widespread use of Oxy on the Angels. Therefore, spin that out into a larger baseball mm -hmm. universe. You've got this. We knew he was taking these, and we knew that this this team employee was basically the dealer, the distributor of these drugs. So Matt Harvey, who was a pitcher for the angels that year is the one who's making the most headlines. He was given immunity to, and that because of the immunity, this is, this is many layers here, folks, many yeah. layers. He admitted to providing Percocet to Skaggs, which we mentioned last week, um, several days before his death, there was no Percocet connected to, you know, what was found in the autopsy, but also several other times. He said in the past, Skaggs had given him pills. And then here's where it gets juicy and bad. Mm -hmm. If that wasn't bad enough, he admitted to cocaine use early in his career. And, you know, there were lots of rumors when he was the Mets. He was a big partier with the Mets and people knew this, but no one did anything about it. And then when he went to the Angels, these rumors came with him. He was still using cocaine at the beginning of that. And nobody asked. No, hands off. Nobody cared one way or the other that Matt Harvey was basically had had a drug problem, had a very visible drug problem. Yeah. You know, I want to I want to jump in on the cocaine situation with the Mets because I saw a New York Post article about that. And what it said was that at the time, with all the, the drug testing stuff with MLB, Basically, cocaine didn't count, that the, that MLB didn't test for drugs of abuse, in quotes, without reasonable cause. And so who the fuck knows what reasonable cause is? I, of course, go back to a decades-long grudge against the Mets from the 1986 World Series where Daryl Strawberry and others were using cocaine and it was, you know, not dealt with. Um, the, there were some quotes in this New York Post article from the manager Terry Collins, who basically said that the Mets weren't allowed to do their own testing because it's MLB, right? So we can do their, our own stuff. But he did say regarding the cocaine use by Matt Harvey, was there knowledge in the clubhouse without question? He missed a start due to partying. He was AWOL from a workout. But it's it's sad also. So like you go back to like, why is this drug use happening? And especially you're talking about like the prevalency in at least these clubhouses, if not major league, what's leading to this? What This kind of pressure and what kind of support can we give these players? And he said that that Harvey was suicide. There's a lot of, of talk out there that he was suicidal when he was on the Mets and that he got counseling from the mental skills coach. But Oh my God, this is so much more. I mean, I think you're you're getting there, but it's such a bigger issue than this this one tragic incident. Oh, for sure. I also feel uncomfortable that Colin said all those things in public. Yeah, right. That I mean, I yeah, it's it's it is opening up this bigger picture of things happening MLB wide, but also is that yours to say? Is like like specifics like that? I mean that mm, I know. but Okay, a couple more things about Harvey. He, in his testimony, he said there was a there's a culture in MLB to play through your injuries. That's why the Percocet was around right. so much. That's why the Oxy's around. It's like you can't show weakness. If you want to go out there and be your best, you can't be in pain. And that's so, exactly it. That's exactly what's behind all this is that pressure and yep. no chance for 
recuperation. Yeah. And so, yeah, so Harvey was, um, was given immunity for this particular trial, but that immunity doesn't cover Major League Baseball. Remember, um, MLB can pursue violations of their policy separate from what happens in the legal world. And what Harvey admitted to counts as distribution under Major League Baseball's drug policy. He wow. gave pills to other players. He could be suspended for 60 days. And he still has to be signed. He's a free agent right now. He needs to be signed. But as soon as he's signed, he could be suspended for 60 days for testifying to what he testified to. So this is a mess 430 ways from Sunday. There's just so many things wrong that, and, you know, and Tyler Skaggs, poor guy needed help, didn't get help. Mm -hmm. He died because of this. And now we know more things. Now we know more things. And mm -hmm. is anything going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. I saw references to, well, MLB's policy about this kind of drug use is stronger now, but I couldn't find out what that means. I don't know what that means, but um, so Skaggs' family is there's a civil suit. They've they've sued the Angels and and Kay, and this verdict is certainly going to help them hold the team accountable. So that will start coming up in the future. It's like, yeah, okay, so you've just proven wow. that he was responsible, and then you've got, you've got all of these players saying, oh yeah, everybody knew, everybody knew. So that's going to be um, quite a thing. So, you know, I liked it better when the police blotter stuff was sort of entertaining. But there yeah. you go. You can't you can't say just talk about baseball because talking about baseball brings in a lot of things. I'm just wondering, is Eric K. the right fall guy? This is so much bigger. It's just I don't know. Well, I mean, di for directly, directly, I mean, directly, yeah. he gave Tyler Skaggs the pills that he OD'd on. So there's that. That was the specific thing. Yeah. Big picture stuff is different from that. Absolutely. There needs to be larger, a good hard look at the league on a larger scale about how can we let this, how did we let this happen? Yeah. But for this specific trial, it was very narrow and he was found guilty of this very narrow, very specific thing. Huh. All right. Can we just watch baseball instead? Yeah. So that would be nice if we knew when baseball was starting. And, and like you said before, like who the fuck knows when we there's no countdown. We can't do our usual countdown to opening day because we just don't know right now. But you know that there is baseball happening all over the world and there's the Internet and you can watch baseball. So Japanese baseball is starting March 25th. That's their opening day. Korean, the KBO, is April 2nd, as well as my very favorite CPBL in Taiwan, April 2nd. You know, I'll be there. And then minor league baseball, April 5th. Wait, you're going to Taiwan? I well, I I will be there in heart and okay, online. all right, <laughs> in heart and online, and oh, renew damn. my subscription to CPBL TV. And then <laughs> there is the Liga Mexicana de Baseball, and if MLB doesn't get their shit together, then I might buy that package also. That doesn't begin till April twenty first, but there's all sorts of interesting people playing there. So, yeah, watch baseball. And watch women's sports on TV. Can mm -hmm. I just say, please televise women's sports. You know what happened this past week? The gold medal game for women's hockey, the USA-Canada game, had the second highest hockey viewership over NHL, any hockey, since 2019, only behind the, the 2021 Stanley Cup clinching game five. People stayed up. It started at 11 wow. p.m. Eastern time. And the number of people that stayed up and watched that game because it was good quality hockey and it was available to them was bigger than almost all the NHL games in the past several years. Televised women's sports. Yeah. And just to go down on the record, because we talked about this last week, I did watch the game before that. I didn't stay up late for the 11 p.m. game, but I watched the the game that got the U.S. into that game. And that was a lot of fun at a much more reasonable eight in the morning. And that was really helpful to me because Patty Mouth is super good about about texting updates when um when when I have to be at work and can't <laughs> really you know use one of my giant monitors, which I'm very lucky to have for a hockey game, even if I'd like to, because other people are there. Also, because I'm a very dedicated city worker, and so that would never happen on the taxpayer's dime. Absolutely, that's it. Yeah. Hey, what do you got going this week? This week, I don't know. We have the day off tomorrow for President's Day. We have a day, day off tomorrow. So that's exciting. That was yesterday for you all. So I hope you all enjoyed your President's Day. And um, outside of that, I don't know. Maybe I'll learn college baseball in my spare time. 
I think we should. I think we should. We have to expand our mm-hmm. our universe here. Yeah, me too. Looking forward to a nice relaxing day off. Um, yeah. Find some other sports. There's more there's more sports too. There's sports. You know, it's probably time to start watching college basketball. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah. It's, it's almost March. Yeah. Yeah, it's time to pay attention to those things. My goodness. Okay, so my friends, please, if you uh, think you have friends and family who would want to hear us talk about baseball, let them know about No Crying in Baseball. If you are new to our show, please feel free to go back and check out some older episodes. We love to talk to you about what we do, so please find us on social media. Check us out on Twitter, NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, our No Crying in B-Ball. You know, if you want to help support this podcast because it's not free my friends it's not free we would love to have you sign up for our patreon system to help support our show how do they do that i'm pretty sure it's patreon.com slash uh no crying and b-ball i bet it is we'll make sure it's in there for you in the meantime if you haven't gotten your booster what are you waiting for get your darn booster shot please fight the man it's the right thing to do and until next week say good night potty mouth good night potty mouth You know, it's like not how I made the rest of your face in my brain. (laughs) How I made your face in my brain. (laughs)